Welcome to the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour with your host and founder, Alex Burr. Hello and welcome to, you guys know um, those combination Taco Bell's Pizza Hut deals. This is it's kind of one of those except in podcast form. This is kind of a combination power hour on um, back shoulder fade. The schmuck, Zach Griffith, is in Boston. Okay. I, apparently he went to go see his Pacers play the Celtics last night. Not good for him, Caleb Lynn. Not good for him. But I am joined by my good friend, Caleb Lynn. We're going to kind of put a spin on this. Caleb, thank you so much for joining me in the... Well, I forgot how I phrased it. Throwing you a curveball. When you expect a fastball, Caleb, you're almost finished with Better Call Saul. So now you have to choose Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, and you have to choose. You And you have not seen the finale of Better Call Saul yet. Not that. So it, you might change your mind by the end of tonight, but you have to choose. Pick one. So you're talking personal favorite or what? Personal I favorite. Best. Personal favorite. Better Call Saul is my personal favorite. Better Call Better Call Saul is my personal favorite. Uh, I like the pace, uh, the vibes of the show. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's 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 enjoyable. I um I, I always like Saul and Breaking Bad, so I, I like that he had his own show. So I'll, I'll go Better Call Saul. I'll go Better Call Saul. I'll go against the grain. I guess I feel like most people would probably say Breaking Bad, right? I feel most people would say Breaking Bad, but I don't think it's a it's a large minority. Yeah, maybe you know, so. I, I yeah. feel like yeah, sixty forty. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's. I, I don't know which one I'd pick. I'm kind of of the, it's, it's kind of a cop out answer. You really can't, I obviously can't have one without the other, but that's the very true. It's very um, true. The highs of Saul are just insane. I, I agree. Which you just saw the high of it, by the way. I agree. Um, I agree. Incredible spoiler. <laughs> if you, if you don't want one of the best scenes of Better Call Saul spoiled, Fast forward about 30 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> but you just saw I my favorite scene when Howard Hamlin dies at the hands of Lala Salamanca. That is one of my all-time favorite scenes in any show. I went back and watched that I don't know how many times. Just absolutely phenomenal. It is phenomenal. I, I think that's probably better than any scene in Breaking Bad or my money. Especially wow. the acting. Wow. The acting from Ray Seahorn and from Bob Odenkirk, I and from um, Tony Dalton, just like how chilling he was in I, that scene. It was big time. It, it was it was seriously impressive. I mean, you know, it was it, it was tense. I mean, there was no doubt about it. That scene was tense, um, you know, but they they came up in the clutch. I mean, they, they came up in the clutch. They uh, they delivered. They delivered right there uh, down the stretch in episode eight. It, 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 it hit the jackpot. They did. I don't want to spoil too much because it's still a relatively new show. You know, it's still. It is. Like, it is. Like, I think it's less than two years old at this point. I so. believe so. Yes. Um, Shout out to Vince Gilligan for creating an absolute masterpiece of a show. But that's not why we're here today, folks. So obviously I've been gone for a while. Um, I said I would put one out before an episode out before vacation. I obviously lied. Um, life got in the way. 
And then I got sick after vacation, so I wasn't inclined to watch a whole ton of NBA games. But Caleb came up with this great idea to do a crossover episode. So we're going to catch up on all the trades that I missed because we missed a good amount of trades. But Caleb, before we get to any of the trades, Wes Unseld Jr. Basically fired (laughs) by the Washington Wizards. I I feel like we should touch on those as well. Um, Wes Unseld Jr. basically fired by the Wizards. Adrian Griffin actually fired by the Bucks. Um, Which of these moves more monumental for their teams? I would I will say I will say wow body metal. I, I think I, I would go with certainly Griffith because if if I mean the Bucks are obviously you know they that is a my minimum because you're trying to go for championship in 2023. Um if you're Washington, a championship is you know one a million chance right now. Right. Obviously, you could go on about the coaching performance. You could go on about some of the moves that they've made. But, you know, that was that was going to be far, whether Unseld was the guy or the head coach, you know, whether he whatever he was doing. Right. So I'm going to go with Milwaukee just because I think the pressure is there on them uh, to to make it happen in 2023. Uh, And just because that that core to me, it's it's a very old roster. A lot of the rosters in the East are definitely on the younger side or on a side where they're heading in the prime. And so if, if Milwaukee's not getting it done, how much longer can they genuinely say a top three seed is just a surefire lock? And I actually think that's more of a debate than what people want to talk about right now. That's an excellent question. Um, Brooke Lopez, I believe is mid thirties. Um, Chris Middleton has been oft injured for the past three years, basically ever since they won the championship. Um, their starting backcourt of Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley could not stop the wind um, blowing a paper bag past them. It was really something to behold. I, I suppose I should ask you in all seriousness. So the Bucks obviously hired Doc Rivers, if you had not seen. The Bucks now plus 500, right? Or is I'm a play out plus 500 to win the NBA championship. According to our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, Caleb, how do you like the Doc Rivers hire for the Bucks? I mean, he knows how to win a championship. Sure, you know he's proven to try to get. You know, he's been with some very talented teams, but you know some of those teams have very much underachieved. I think he is an upgrade over Griffith in two thousand and twenty-three. My concern is it's only going to get worse. You paid him $40 million. You've committed to him for another three or four years on top of the fact that you've already gotten rid of two coaches and are looking to pay their salaries. I don't think the Milwaukee Bucks want to go get a fourth coach. So I think they're stuck. And uh, so and I think in 2023, this season, I think it works. They're going to be in a better position this season. Okay, but what happens if they lose in the second round? Okay, what what happens if they don't make the finals? Then then there's this bubble, and that bubble is going to be very hard for the front office to want to take on. 
because you're they're they're going pretty deep into the lux. They're I, from my understanding, they're they're paying pretty big, aren't they? Not Alex in terms of their they, they are, you know. So they've got that going. They they've got you know all the head coaching stuff already. Uh, the contracts that they're going to have to keep owing to these guys. So they're not going to want to dish out more money if things don't work. And they're going to be in a style, you know, probably going to have to battle some stuff out, but they're not going to want to battle a lot. So uh, I like, I, I think they're, they're a very good team in 2023. I mean, I guess I'll say that, but I'm worried about the long term. That's a, that's a good way to put it. I think Doc, he's going to get them back to the fundamentals. A thing that concerned me, Caleb, you know, I like their young guys, right? You know, I like Jackson, you know, sure. I like Bochamp. He said one of those two guys is going to probably crack the rotation. <laughs> I think both of them probably need to play because they're at an athleticism deficit already. Um, I don't know what the uh, luxury tax number is. I'm going to guess it's not 183 million, which is what their um, salary number is at right now. They're going to be paying Giannis $68 million in 2526. Now, the salary cap is projected to boom that year. But they're going to be in a, owing a lot of money to a lot of guys. This is their time to win. And Boston is looking formidable right now. Philadelphia is looking formidable right now. I know Miami's on that losing streak, Caleb. We'll talk about them, obviously, yeah. in a minute. Yeah. But you can't... The Bucks should be more scared of Miami than anybody because of what Miami has done to them the last five seasons, basically. Sure. Sure. And then, you know, you can't count out the Knicks. You can't count... It, like, especially once no. they get Mitchell Robinson back. Uh, with the addition of OG, you have to take them a lot more seriously now. And the Pacers, the Pacers have had their number all season. Now, obviously, the playoffs might be a different story, but what if it's Man. not? <laughs> right. Right. No, it should matter. What if, what if it's not? So right. I think, Caleb, that we're going to see. A, I think they have to make a trade, right? They have to make some kind of upgrade, but I don't know what they have to trade. Uh, and you, you read ESPN, it's kind of partisan two seconds. I mean, that's going to get you a gold medal, Alex. I mean, that's going to get you a million dollars. Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, and two second round picks. I mean, that that's a that's a golden medal of a trade offer, a, a trade package unlike anything we've ever seen. I mean, it's it's that that's that's what the Bucks have been willing to throw out. I mean, that is what the Bucks have shown to throw out, and they've expected to be able to throw that out for a player like the Jonte Murray. And I just. I just don't see. I just don't see how fact like that gets done when you're trying to get an all star for two guys that are that are. They've got to be close to their thirties, right? As role players, is with their best Connaughton is thirty one. With their Portis best is probably passed. With their best probably passed them. Is that a fair statement to say about Bobby and Pat? Or is their best probably gone past them? Connaughton peaked in the twenty two playoffs against the Celtics. He played like an absolute God in that series and then fell off a cliff. It's, it's actually insane. Like what the difference was. He was so good in that series against the Celtics, Caleb, when he, you couldn't leave him open. And now it's like, what's the difference? You couldn't get him off the floor. And now it's like, there's a reason Beasley started over him. <laughs> like, can I tell you what I think they should probably should, or at least 
what you know we should be hearing more about you know is i just you know people talk about this a lot and trading a very good player for two to three depth options if i am the bucks i would be trying to seek out a middleton destination and I get that he is such a great third option. His skill sets complement Damon Giannis, and obviously he's been there forever, and the chemistry matters. But going back to your point on draft picks, you know, Andre Jackson, you drafted, drafted in the first round. You, you've been hyping up Bochamp for two seasons. Where, prove it. Prove it. Prove, what, prove why you've been hyping these guys. Prove it. Ideally, those... You know, guys like that are playing in the position of Middleton, right? Yeah. But but what's you know what's not allowed that they, they're probably not as good as shooters as you want. You know, maybe that's the problem. But there's also to an extent, I feel like they've got to give them some playing time, some consistent playing time. And if I if I'm a team out there in the East, um, AK the Philadelphia 76ers, I would I would try to I would call. I would see if there's a world that I could get a wing score in, in, in Philadelphia like that who could come off the ball, who's got expiring contracts. You can clear up some money oh, because you're, you're too far deep into the Lux tax. And if you're, if you're, oh, the, if you're, the, if you're the Philadelphia Sixers with Chris Middleton as your third option, Alex. That's, now, I don't know if they would ever do it just because it's like conference rivals and like yeah. they're both going for the same thing. But like there's teams out there that have the role players. You don't That's need brilliant. Milwaukee is not Milwaukee is not in the need of a 20 point score. In my opinion, they need clarity. Clarity can come from anywhere in the rotation top to the seventh or eighth man. In my personal opinion, it's Damon Giannis. Middleton is there with no clarity beyond that. A trade yeah. with a, with Middleton clears up the third through eight jam that I believe will, will, will beat the bucks will beat up the bucks. That problem will beat themselves up in a playoff series. I mean, so, okay. You would probably make it work with just Sixers players. I, there's no way they do it for, obvious I know, reasons. I know, I know, but that's but, the type of thing you got to look at. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant from you. I wish I'd thought of it. I'm, I'm jealous. I didn't. Um, but I think your overall point is just correct. Like they're too old. They're too like, there's a huge flaw in them, right? Like they don't have what the 21 team had, right? The 21 team was, the 21 team was young athletic, right? And it makes sense. You know, you need to have like an older team around your young star players to win a championship. But what happens when those guys get older, plus your star gets older. Giannis is 29, you know, he's still amazing, but he's not the same athlete he was no. three years ago. No, not at like all. he's closer to exiting his prime than he was three years ago. Like was the P was P Giannis. I don't think we'll ever see better than that. Like I don't either. he came back from a, like what dislocating his knee basically. Right. We thought he tore his ACL mm-hmm. and he came back from that. So it's it's going to be interesting to watch how the rest of their season plays out. Um, it's plus 500 to win the championship. I think less 
it was plus 230 to win the East. So, you know, still probably Man. not the worst odds. Let's just by comparison. Okay. Some teams we're going to be talking about today. Man. We're going to be bringing these teams up. This is just to win the East, Caleb. Boston's the favorite, plus 140. We're not going to be talking about this team, but third place, Philadelphia 76ers, plus 500. In spite of the losing streak, Miami Heat, still fourth, plus 1,100. New York Knicks, plus 1,300. Again, probably not going to be talking about this team, but bears mentioning Cleveland Cavaliers, plus 2,400. Indiana Pacers, plus 2,600. So, and then second to last on these odds, because they don't obviously list the, um, <laughs> the Wizards and the Pistons sure. and the Hornets. Plus 2,300 for the Raptors. I just thought it, or 23,000, excuse me. Um, I thought it was worth repeating because well, no need to trash them again. I've trashed them enough on this podcast um, this year. So, should we start with the OG trade, the impacts it has? On the rest of the league? We can. We can. Okay. So um, I obviously talked about what happened in the trade earlier on the power hour. So I don't need to fall. I don't feel the need to go back into that. But Caleb, I'm sure you've noticed the Knicks have been probably the best team in the league since the OG trade. If not the best, then one of. Um, How do you feel the OG trade has impacted? Just impacted them overall. We'll get into like a bigger picture discussion later. It was him. It's it's interesting. I mean, you know, I kind of, I still do think it's that think it's a little bit of a joke the way that you know the market was trying to tell us that OG should be getting compensation to the level of an all star player. I don't believe OG Ananobi is an all star player. Uh but if there were June All-Stars, he might be on that list. You know, and so what's tricky is that, um, you know, at least for me, when I evaluated this trade was like, okay, but what is it? You know, you're the Knicks. And OG is your third best player. And he's not a flashy guy. He's not a, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to be about the bright lights. You know, his, is Louis V is not going to be all over Times Square. You know, like, like that's not who he is, right? And so I just kind of questioned it from that side of it. But from a basketball schematic perspective, he just does what they need him to do. He fills in the blanks of what they don't have on the court. They need offense. He's giving them offense. You need him to guard the power forward, and he's delivering that in every way, shape, or form. And even with this Randall injury, I mean, I'll just yes. be honest, Alex. I'm not saying that the Randall injury isn't concerning. I think it's a massive, I think it's definitely a concern, and they're going to have to really fight through that in the regular season. But when you have a guy like OG Ananobi, when you're facing a power forward, you're facing a team maybe like Kevin Durant or something, and you're, you can throw OG Ananobi on Kevin Durant, and the rest of your lineup is going to be okay. The rest of your lineup is not going to have to take the sacrifice. That is what OG can bring to teams that I don't think you can fully quantify you, that you can really quantify. I mean, maybe like plus minus and stuff like that can back it up, but he, what he, what he's able to do to help the flexibility of that roster has been something they've desperately needed, you know, because their lineup, their best lineup wasn't going to change in the playoffs. 
You know, before yeah. that OG trade, you knew what their crunch five was and they really didn't have alternatives. You know, if they put quickly in with Brunson, they were traffic cones. If RJ was in there with them, that's even worse. And then they couldn't get anybody to spread the court. Now, when you got OG in, he gives you so many options in crunch time. You can move OG at the four. You can have, uh, you know, Precious or Mitch or uh, Hardenstein. You yeah. put them at the five. It, they just have so many options. And that's what I think has made that trade so much better than I ever thought it would have been. So I'll say, I, you know, I was very complimentary of the trade at the time. Um, if you listen to the pod after I, after the trade, um, I was just like, the floor is just so open for Julius and Jalen, mm. right? And in the 14 games that Jalen has played since the um, OG trade, now OG hasn't played in the last two games, but it's worth mentioning, Caleb, Jalen Brunson is at 28.9 points per game. Okay. 49.7% from the field, 38% from three. I'm rounding up a little bit, but it's still, it's mathematically correct. Um, getting to the foul line, 6.5 times a game, eight assists a game. Again, rounding up, but not too much. So, he has really, really benefited from no RJ, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, lo- you know, I was a big RJ fan. You were, but his lack of a jump shot just really, really hurt the Knicks, and his lack of ability to play the four also really, really hurt the Knicks. He was a two-three, not a three-four. What OG does, right? And I, I should have mentioned the Randall injury. That's my fault. But what OG does is now you can play Josh Hart at the three. And I don't, I don't care for Josh Hart at the mm. three, but it doesn't matter because now you have OG. It's like, that's great. You have a four now. You didn't have a backup four before. It's like, who are you going to play at the four previously? Like, were you going to play, I don't know, Jericho Sims? Right. <laughs> like, they didn't right. have bodies. I mean, they signed Taj Gibson to a 10-day, um, which I'm assuming will cover OG while he's dealing with his little spell here mm-hmm. but once that's over with you'll have og to throw back into the fire you know i still think they're really thin in the front court but they're not as thin as they were this trade helped them be not as thin as they were before and plus yeah. with the added spacing like the difference is insane just what he's done for their spacing like yep and Julius in particular, I thought was a huge beneficiary of that. Like getting to see him operate with that much room. Because <laughs> you know how much I thought his passing stood out from the beginning yep. of the season. Yeah. So I'm just going to pull up his stats yeah. since the trade. Um, since the trade, Randall was at 25 points a game, eight rebounds, five assists, 48% from the field, 37% from three. So in a similar way, he was also benefiting. And I think it kind of is like what you were talking about with the Middleton thing in Milwaukee. Mm. Obviously, I don't think Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Although you can make a case that Jalen Brunson has been way better than Damian Lillard has been this year. Um, I think trading out that third score for a floor spacer and defender has just made their team make more sense. I agree. I agree. And I think, I mean, Caleb, I mean, let me just ask you right now. We'll obviously talk about the heat in a second here. Sure. But who do you think is better right now? The Knicks or the heat? 
I mean, I'm more comfortable with the Knicks. I think I am too. And I'm not just speaking from bias here. No. Because I am attached to this team. No. But I watched that Knicks Heat game on Saturday and the Knicks just took control. I know what I'm getting night to night. Yeah. Miami has the ability to peak to peak at a higher level maybe than the Knicks. But the Knicks' consistent basis, you know, consistent outing every night. When I watch the New York Knicks, I know what I'm getting out of their games. And, and wow. so should the fans. So should the fans. Could not agree with you more, my friend. Um, I, I'm, I'll be curious to see, too, um, something that happened while I was out. Mitchell Robinson will be coming back at some point this season. The disabled player exception was denied. Great news. Great news because Mitchell Robinson owned Jared Allen in the playoffs last year. Absolutely dominated. By the way, um, I know I said we were not going to talk much about the Cavs. It's remarkable what they've been doing. Just like. I just want to say that because they've been absolutely crazy and they're getting Garland and Mobley back this week. I I just wanted to say that. Um, But getting Mitch back will be huge for them. Do you have any other Knicks thoughts before we move on to our next trade? I mean, I just, I, I, I think they're one of those teams that can go. Their, their possibilities could be very far. They could make, they could go in the second round. They could maybe be an Easter conference final team. The draw lines up for them. I mean, they're all over the place. I mean, ah, this New York team is capable to do plenty, plenty, plenty of things. For sure. I could not say it better myself. Um, now we're going to move on to the Indiana Pacers, a team you may or may not have seen in the last week. Um, trading for Pascal Siakam. And in that trade, um, did not talk about this one on the podcast because obviously, <laughs> sure. um, obviously it was gone for this one. But Caleb, I think this one, um, so the Pacers get back Pascal Siakam and the Raptors get three first round picks and Bruce Brown. And I feel like I'm missing something. I had the page pulled up. There we go. Nwara. They also get Nwara and Kira Lewis from the Pelicans. Salary dump for the win. Um, I like Kira Lewis, by the way. I hope he's good in Toronto. That, I like that, them stealing him in that trade. Um, Caleb, you saw the Pacers in person. I've, I've only really watched the Trailblazers game, and that was probably not the best game to watch after that trade. Um, what was your impressions of Pascal Siakam in a Pacers uniform? What he gives the Indiana Pacers is something that they have not had in a second option since David West. Wow. When he gets the ball, you feel good with it. You know, like you watch a game and it's like you've watched Indiana Pacers basketball last five years. Your second option's just, I mean, the player doesn't stink, but it's like, man, I'm on the other side and I got Jalen Brown as my second option in my last playoff series that I was in. Or I got, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry as an all-star against them, or I got Brad Beal all-star against him. Well, they got their second all-star. And what that allows from a team, you know, and what I saw, when they played the Phoenix Suns, it's a sense of calmness 
and an ability to not panic when there when there's moments that I believe this team would have been panicked. You know, if they didn't have that second all-star guy who could just calm things down, hit that timely shot, hit that, make that last minute play, you know, whatever it looks like. He, Siakam is is able, you know, similar to OG, fills so much holes on your team wherever you need it on a night-to-night basis. And for me, the part that I think is the most underrated about Pascal Siakam that I, I just don't think people talk about enough is simply his poise. Mm-hmm. He just plays with such poise, never too high, never too low. And when you're on a young roster like he is with the Indiana Pacers, having a guy like that for Rick Carlisle has to be amazing. And it's only going to be a bigger deal in, in you know, as far as the season goes for them in the playoffs and all this other stuff to have a guy like that who, you know, if the team is going to trap Halliburton up at half court, they're going to throw him a different look. If you know, you have a guy like Siakam, it takes off that pressure. Just like, Oh, well, thank God. We don't have to force that issue with Halliburton on the double team in the half court. Or thank God that we have a playmaker that can get the ball comfortably to the guys that are open if the trap's there. Right. They've, they, now they've got that. And, and it's going to help them in a playoff series. And, and it puts them in a conversation where they may not just be like a team that might push you to a five or six game series in the first round. They might have a chance to win it. And that's why, and moving forward as well, they're only going to get better. I mean, they didn't trade anybody that was a rotational piece that you're like, man, that guy's going to stink not having. I yeah. mean, and, and if you're the Pacers, you got to make deals like that because you don't know how many times a star is going to genuinely show interest in being in your franchise. Yeah. And you, you know, I've always admired Siakam. Honestly, a lot of my Raptors related fandom can be like, I know you guys accuse me of being a Raptors fan for years. It comes down to me liking, um, well, you know, I love Lowry, right? Like, you know, Lowry's one of my favorite players. Yeah. But Siakam is up there. His, I, I, for my money, he's one of the smartest players. Like, just what he was asked about defense nurse. Just, you know, being the head of the snake on defense, you know, whenever they did a zone or whenever they did a press. Remember that one year they brought the press in Toronto and we're like, oh, you know, we're going to um, make everyone say hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, hey, you know, we have Scotty Barnes. We- I don't think this is before Scotty Barnes. But we have Pascal Siakam. We have so many athletic wings. We're just going to make your life miserable. And that was a lot of that was due to Pascal Siakam just being awesome. That was the all NBA. Mm. Right. So I think that was the year they finished as the second seed. Yeah, that's right. Because that would have been Lowry, Van Vliet, OG, and Abaka. Yeah. So I've always been an admirer of his. He's a great passer. The only flaw he has is his shooting. But He's on a team where he can be the inside man. Yeah. And I think that's going to work really great to his benefit, you know, being able to be the role man, like kind of like how you were describing it, you know, being like the release valve, like at the elbow, if Tyrese gets trapped, because Tyrese is going to get trapped at this point. Like, right. What other better way is there to guard him? You know, especially in the playoff setting, like just try to get the ball out of his hands. But now you have someone who's going to be, I mean, Siakam's averaging five assists a game in seven games. Impressive. And 
I feel like that number is going to stay pretty steady over the course of the season. It might go down to like four, but still getting four assists out of a power forward. Pretty nice. I mean, that's, pretty nice, that's yeah. pretty, especially when you're getting 12 assists a game out of your point guard. Right now. I have to say, um, Halliburton's been dealing with some injury issues that would kind of give me pause at the moment with them. Um, but I think was was Halliburton playing in the game you were at? I'm not. No, too he was sure. not. He was not. Yeah, I know he can only miss three games the rest of the season, right? Or else he's ineligible for the for all NBA. I think that's so. Right. I mean. Uh, first of all, let's just talk about the game you were at because that game was awesome, right? Booker scored sixty-two. Yeah, I mean, he scored like sixty-two points, and then like he had all these other guys. Just, I mean, everybody had a moment in that game. You know, it's kind of fun seeing all these young players have moments. You know, whether it was you know Benny was was had, had some moments inside making tough plays, and you had Obi Top and you know get a double double for. Their, uh, you know, the Pacers, it was a very, very you know, intense game. I mean, I understand the high scoring might make you think there wasn't a whole lot of defense. And, um, and I do think to certain stretches in that game, there was not any defense, uh, but down the stretch, you know, the, it felt as if both teams were really trying to earn their baskets and, uh, and made the game very, very fun. And, uh, you know, they, they hardly, they weren't leading at all. The Pacers weren't leading. Uh, at all, I think until three seconds left in that game, so they weren't leading the length of that game one bit. So it just kind of shows, you know, NBA can just be about getting that big run and then being able to hold on to it. And definitely, you texted me after that game, being like, basically that same sentiment. Like it seemed like a high scoring game, but that was intense down the stretch. So it was intense. Yeah, I, I'm jealous of you. Um, wish I got to go to that one, but I'm glad you had fun. Um, any more Pacers thoughts? Because I feel like we kind of touched on everything Siakam related, but I, I suppose I should ask this. Do you think this is the year the Pacers win a playoff series, or do you think it's a year too soon for that? Man. Uh, uh, man, when they initially picked him up, I was like, yeah, I felt good about it. Um. This Halliburton stuff's got me a little worried too. I agree with you. Um, you know, and so I, I feel like it'll probably be okay, but it does have me a little worried. Uh, for me, it's man. You know, if you're like, hey, Caleb, you have to decide. I would say they're not going to be one of the four teams in the East who wins Buffers. That. I would tend to agree, but man, you know, I, it's all, I mean, but, but they're the type of team, right? Draw, right? Draw. They absolutely positively can. It would not shock me. It, it is something I would consider betting. It is something that I would consider looking at from a game to game. It is something that I, uh, because I do think they're going to be a fun team back in the playoffs. 1000%. Uh, and I, and I, I think that when you have, the type of speed and athleticism that they do, I, I think it's incredibly hard for teams. I mean, Jalen Brown, after their game against Indiana, just is like, yeah, they're a really freaking good team. And they make you play at a pace that is just incredibly hard to adjust to. And when I think of teams that need the pace to go in a certain direction, 
I think of teams like the contenders in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee and the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> and I think and if, if Indiana can push their pace on teams like that, you, you can convince me. They, it would not shock me. It would not put me in awe if I saw the Indiana Pacers win a series against a team like that. Yeah. I just don't know if they'd win a matchup against their team that currently match up the, matched up against, excuse me. Um, so right now, Celtics are the one seed. Bucks are the two seed. Knicks are the three seed. Cavs four, Sixers five, Pacers six. So it'd be Knicks, Pacers in the first round. Wow. I think that'd be pretty tough for the Pacers to pull off, especially because I feel like the Knicks now can match styles, kind of like what you to go with what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I feel like yeah. they can speed up now. Yes. Where they, they weren't really capable of doing that before. Or, or Knicks would rather, be tough. Knicks would be Knicks tough. would a tough one for the Pacers. I yes, think I'm not saying they should try to get to the play in because if you can avoid the play in, avoid the play in. We've learned that lesson. Yeah. <laughs> there have been teams that are playoff teams, like one of the, probably the eight best teams in the conference that have missed the playoffs because they messed around and we're in the play in. <laughs> that's what they um, should get. <laughs> that's what they should get. That's what they should get. Yeah. Oh, totally. If you mess around, I mean, the Clippers didn't mess around one of those years. I think one of those years was the year Paul George missed due to um, illness. Sure. But sure. still. Anyway, um, let's move on to the Heat, who are struggling. But they did make a trade. Um, this guy had a good game, his last game. Terry Rozier to the Miami Heat for Kyle Lowry in a 2027 first-round pick, I believe unprotected and I think both of us would agree Kyle Lowry will not be a Charlotte Hornet after March 1st I think it's safe to say yeah let's place that um I think we should also say Bruce Brown will not be a Raptor after um February 8th we can place that yeah (laughs) we I wonder if there's odds on people getting traded out there probably (laughs) so anyway um we both were huge fans of this trade but obviously the heat have been struggling since before the rosier trade what were your thoughts on where this positions the heat in the east well i love terry i I mean terry's an upgraded point over what they've had over the last maybe three four years i mean he's he, he's going to give them an element that they haven't had, a dynamic bounce that they haven't had from that spot. But here, here's the thing with the deal that has actually kind of made me more skeptical. They don't have anything else. Yeah. It's like this, this was like a final straw type of move. This was a last-ditch effort type of move. And if you're not getting it this year, you, I mean, I can tell you right now, there are plenty of teams I'm more comfortable trusting in with the future of their franchise in the Eastern Conference than I am with the Miami Heat. And that is a problem. I mean, the losing streak certainly hasn't helped, but I just can't sit and help but wonder, maybe the move was a little too late. Because we talked about this move for a long time. You and I have. 
We have mentioned multiple times just the concept of what he could bring to a team, a contending team specifically. We mentioned Miami, but it was like, you know, whatever we mentioned Miami. But like now you look at what they don't have. What are they going to be willing to give up? You know, what are they going to, you know, they're going to call Duncan Robinson untouchable. They're going to, they're going to, I mean, Hawkins is a very good basketball player. My counter is where's he going to play? Where's he going to play? It's, it's not, they, they don't have a lot of spots for him to play. And I mean, you're, you just, you're, this is a last minute move to me. Can't get it done this year. You might have to suggest some roster turn up. Might have to suggest some roster tune up. I apologize for the person who honked outside my window. I don't know why they would be honking. Um, I that's an explosive take right there, but it makes sense when you think about it because Jimmy's 34. He's going to be turning 35 after the season um, in September. So before next season. So 34 in Tim's years is basically like 47. Now he's still putting up numbers, right? And when you watch the heat occasionally, you'll see, you know, like a great Jimmy game, but he's only played 32 games out of 47. And that's concerning. Obviously, that's typical for what Jimmy's done, but usually Jimmy is good for like some all NBA numbers. Caleb, you tell me if these are all NBA numbers. 21 points a game, five rebounds, four assists, 1.2 steals. That's down for Jimmy Butler. Like, even yes, it is. being one of his like biggest fans, that's not the numbers we're used to from him. Usually, it's not either higher scoring or higher rebounds and assists. Both of those are down. Um, Bam, <laughs> this move should help Bam because sure. Bam is asked to do way, way too much. Eternally, like the player who has the most on his shoulders. I don't think there's a player who has more on his shoulders in the whole league than Bam Adebayo. Is is that a fair statement? Because he has to lift the whole defense. Pretty explosive take, but I can get behind it. Like he has, he has the whole defense on his back. Yeah. And the last few years, he's been like basically the backbone of their offense in the regular season. Right. I think that's why he's fallen apart in the playoffs every year. Everyone's like, "Oh, why is Bam so bad?" He's probably tired. (laughs) There's like so much you can ask a basketball player to do. And yeah, Josh Richardson, bless his heart. Um, this isn't 2018 anymore. You know, I think that honeymoon phase in Miami's over. You know, he's he's a retread at this point. Kevin Love is a rotation player for them. I mean, I, there's no punchline there. That's that's the thing. Kevin Love's a rotation player for them. They better hope, like you said, they better hope this works. And he had a good game his last game. Rozier did. 21 points, 8 for 14 shooting. Um, not a whole lot of other categories he put up in. But I don't feel like they need a whole lot from him other than scoring. Like, what they I needed agree. is on-ball scoring. That's really... Yeah. I, I Tell me if you think I'm wrong here. You know I love the Lowry signing because I'm a big Lowry fan. But in hindsight being 2020, maybe they didn't realize that Lowry would become more passive as he got older. 
you know, and be like, oh, I'm not going to pull up I'm as much. Sure. In, I'm not in sure. Toronto, in Toronto, he was like a really big pull up threat, right? So it made sense why they would go out and get a Kyle Lowry. But he stopped pulling up as much when he got to Miami. And the series, the games where Kyle Lowry pulled up from three and made himself a threat from the outside, those were the games where Kyle Lowry was a huge, like, those are the games where Kyle Lowry won them games. Kyle Lowry won them playoff games last year. He also lost them playoff games last year. Yeah, he Call did. a spade a spade. Yep. Yep, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to act like he didn't, but I, I hope this works <laughs> because yeah. I love Rozier. He's one of the most fun players in the NBA. I mean, he helped spoil a cat 62 point night right before sure. he left Charlotte. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I hope that one of the things I hope is that I just hope that his explosiveness scoring Caleb will translate to this team, but I don't know. Part of me just feels like the spiral they're in, they might not be be able to get out of this one. That's, that's going to be their, the question of this entire season for them, you know, and, and they do what they did last year again. And it's like, I just would bet no against that every time. It's not a shot. It's just that there's facts and data to back that up. You're getting career high production from Gabe, from, from, from Gabe Vincent, from Max Struess, from Martin. You know, you name it, you are getting the best of the best all at the same time. It just doesn't work like that very often. And I, I think they're going to have to really consider and adjust some, some things that they're doing from a personnel standpoint. And, you know, maybe they're, you know, you're going to have to have some real conversations, real conversations about where you're going to go as a roster. I think Miami's one of those teams that, you know, I mean, yeah, I'll fine. I would say right now, gun to my head, you think it's more likely that they make the Easter conference finals and they lose in the first round. I'll say losing the first round. I think it's a, based on the way they've played the last two weeks, I think it's a fair take. I'll say the first round. And there's value. There's going to be value on that. There's going to be value on that. There's going to be value against betting, uh, betting against this Miami team. And if you've watched the games, people, let me be very clear. If you watch basketball, that'll be something you want to consider betting on. Don't look at the reputation as much. I think the reputation can fool you when you're watching this Miami team right now. They have, they've got some questions. I wouldn't want to be near. So the heat to make the play in, right? To make the play in is minus 220. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think they're I don't think they're a team that, you know, you should feel comfortable with in terms of getting out of the plan. And let me let me let me let me argue with this. Let me argue with this. Give me the team below them. In that that's game. the Atlanta, it's the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying I'm saying, look, they might. I mean, Atlanta's probably going to look to sink their ship, you know, so maybe you get that game. But. man, I feel more comfortable with the Orlando. Than I do with this Miami team. So. Okay, right now the play-in is it stands because I read the rest of the East standings. I might as well do this. So Seven the Heat, 
the Heat and the Magic are tied at 24 and 23. Heat are seven, Magic are eight. The Bulls are 22 and 26. And the Hawks are 20 and 27 at 10. The Nets are 19 and 27. The Raptors are 17 and 30, surprisingly hanging in there. They're probably too bad. They're probably too good to be in the Hornet zone, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, I think that it's going to come down to can the Heat, because I, I think we probably would agree, the Magic would actually probably be favored in that play-in game. I don't think so. I know that sounds crazy, but I don't think so. Yeah, you're right. Probably because it's home. And it's a reputation. It's a yeah. it's a reputation thing, Alex. I'm telling that's, you, that's, that that's gonna the, be what I was about to say. I mean, you got to back it. You, 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 but but a better's got to back Orlando. Get back. Yeah, Orlando. I would probably people are gonna pick Miami. You, but but that that's a spot. If you watch basketball this year, right now, like you and mm-hmm. I do, you've got to be more comfortable with Orlando. You have to. I be. would. Yeah. It, it'd be an interesting seven eight matchup. That's all I'll say. Totally would. Totally. I, totally. I would be fascinated. Now, there's obviously still time. We have 35 games left in the season. Sure. But two and a half games isn't easy to make up. You no, know this. No, it's not. <laughs> and that's the distance right now between the Pacers and the Heat. Huh. Um, if you want to go between the Heat and the 76ers, it is four and a half games. Actually, that's no, sorry. Five and a half games. That's, that's hard. So the only team really I'd say that he have a even slight chance of catching right now is the Pacers. And there's probably a shot, but there's no way. Unless the Cavaliers absolutely collapse in the second half of the season, there's no way any team but the Pacers is going to sniff the play in there. There's just no way. I don't, I don't think. But where's the energy? Yeah. Again, Seven in a row. It's bad. It is bad. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, it's really that really isn't getting talked about. Seven in a row with a guy like Eric Spolster at the helm. And they lost to the Raptors, by the way. <laughs> lost to the Raptors, I believe, on the day of the Siakam trade. I believe that was the day Siakam was traded to the Pacers. It's not normal. Yeah, <laughs> it's not normal. They, do you, would you like to know who the um, Raptors started? So, R.J. Barrett, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent, Emmanuel Quickly. I don't think you can guess the fifth starter. Huh. <laughs> Might as well give it to me if you don't think I guess. Missouri legend, Jonte Porter. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Lost to the Hawks. Got their asses kicked by the Magic. Lost Ooh. to the Grizzlies. Again, lost to the Grizzlies, who their season has gone off the rails. I know I had some optimism for them, but holy smokes, their season has gone off the rails. Got destroyed by the Celtics, got destroyed by the Knicks, and got blown out by the Suns. They're playing the Kings tonight. Let's let's actually... Well, do you want to, since this is a betting podcast, ostensibly, what's the, what do you think the odds are? Who do you think's favored? Who do you Kings think is favored? At Caleb? Miami. Kings at Miami. Yes. Miami by like two points. That is correct. Miami at two points. 
you you gotta you gotta bet the Kings, right? I mean, I hate it. it look, Miami's ice cold right now. It's hard. Part of me thinks they got to get back a game somehow. Maybe this is the game. Maybe this is the game, but you're not comfortable with it. They've no. bet seven in a row, so they've lost seven in a row. But this I is the type be. of game you should be fired up for if you're Miami. You should. Lord. You should be fired up for this game. You should. The Lord knows I wouldn't be. Um. Well, real quick, I wanted to touch on trades we wanted to see. Is okay. there any trades you can think of that you or any players you want to see traded slash any trades you want to see? Um, I'm done with Atlanta. I'm just done. <laughs> they I mean, they should be like a, they should be, you know, they should hang. You know, it's like, you know, you go to a garage sale, you see everything in the garage sale, you got the clothes on this aisle, you got the, the freaking home frames on this aisle, you got the desks and the furniture on one aisle. They got to do that with their players. They just got to ship them off like a garage sale. They got to hang them up and they got to say what their price range is and they just got to do it. They got to do it. They got to recognize that what happened in that stretch where Trey led them over Philly, it happened, but whatever we did to get there, we can't keep relying on it because it's not, it's not working anymore. And they got to make moves to sell and get them for a long-term foundation. Okay. They got to get, you got to do something. You got to convince me of something. I don't care if it's DeJounte to the Lakers, Capella back to the Rockets, do something. Oh, by, by the way, did you see that um, Shams put out a report? They're star hunting. The Rockets are. Good. Good. I like you. Good. Good coach. That Good team. Good. They play fundamental basketball. Good. Yeah, I mean, I am curious what the package would look like. Well, good. I mean, they, they should be they should be aggressive. They 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 are they're 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 a solid team. If yeah. they would make if they would that's the team I was going to talk about. If they make a move to suggest that they want to push for a plan, I think that's smart for their franchise. A plan is Definitely. good for their franchise after the last couple of years. Um on a similar note to what you said about by the way, by the way, um just, just real quick question for you. Yeah. Is Nate McMillan the most underrated coach in the NBA? Every time he leaves a job, think about it. The last three jobs he's left. Portland. I don't know if you remember after they left Portland. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But do you remember how bad they were in they the in-between period between no, Portland were, or yeah. McMillan and Stotts? Yeah, they were horrible. Yeah, they were really bad. They were really horrible. Okay. Example two. After he left Indiana, they're like, horrible. oh, Let's hire an offensive genius in Nate Bjorkman. Went terrible. Example number three. Now, I'm not saying Nate McMillan's the world's greatest coach. Far from it. But, Caleb, it seems to me he instills fundamentals. He instills a sense of calm. And it might be boring, right? It might not be the flashiest basketball you've ever seen. But, man. It gets the job done. And I don't understand stability, why. stability, stability. Yeah. He's, I mean, it might be sacrilegious to say this because Tomlin's actually won, but he's like kind of like the Mike Tomlin of the NBA, right? Like it's, it, I mean, yeah, in the sense of he's just, he's like Pete Carroll. He's yeah, like that Pete might Carroll. be better. Like Pete, a culture Pete, center. Yeah, I mean, granted, Pete has won one, but it's like they, that's exactly what he is. 
He sets the culture, he sets the foundation for you, and you have a floor, and it's a very high floor that you can reach. And, and you, Atlanta and, wants to get to that floor. And, and, you know, I will say, did I think Quinn Snyder was going to? I, I'm surprised. I really thought Quinn Snyder was going to turn this ship around. So I, I did too. I, I, to be honest, I, I can't sit here and say that I, I thought it was bad that they moved and got him. Uh, I just, but man, yeah, you, you, you might be honest something because, you know, McMillan, for crying out loud, look at Lord Pierce. Lord Pierce is probably sitting there, you know, hands up saying, you thought it was me? You thought I was a problem? How about all the evidence we've got to show that this roster has stayed the same for three to four years? Problems keep happening. Yeah, all they didn't happen under one guy. Hmm. Wonder what the common thread is here. Sure. Anyway, I have I have two things. Yeah. First of all, um, I'd like to see. I mean, you know how I feel about this. There's no need to go into a long tangent about this. The Wolves make a similar style, like how you suggested with Chris Middleton. The Wolves make a similar style move with Carl Anthony Towns. You're going to beat that drum. You're going to beat that that drum. I'm I'm like the Dave Grohl of this, you know. Um, I can't think of any other drummers. But Travis Barker. Travis Barker, yeah, I'm the Travis Barker of this, you know. I'm, I'm gonna milk this, but I, I just can't help but think back to that game. You, you weren't watching that game. I think you were doing stuff for your paper. Yeah, but I was like watching the end of that game. I was just like, "What is going on?" It was one of the most surreal things I've ever watched. Just like watching, and I understand, you know, you, you have 58 going into the thir- third quarter. You're gonna want to play hero ball, right? That was the reason why they lost. Obviously, not having Conley hurt, but it's the Hornets. The Hornets, you're the best team in the Western Conference. I'm sorry, a 35-year-old point guard shouldn't make that much of a difference against one of the five worst teams in the league. It shouldn't. It was embarrassing. And just watching him take them out of their offense like that. Uh, we get the good rant today. We yeah, get a good rant from you today. I, I was... I was mad at watching that. The other one, it's actually kind of in a similar vein. Um, I'm going to suggest Cleveland does the same thing with one of their big men. Now, I think wow. a lot of people would take that inclination to trade Allen. But they played really well with Jared Allen under the basket for the last month without Mobley. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Now, the, here's, here's the rub of it, right? Yeah. Here's why you don't trade Mobley. Okay. A, I think your fans would kill you if you traded Mobley. This guy has so much hype around him, it's not funny. B, and more importantly, one of those guys is making $20 million and the other guy is making like 10 So Yeah, that, that helps. That helps. I think if you could trade Allen for like a this wouldn't work for a lot of reasons, but like Harrison Barnes, right? Someone like that. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who like can hang inside, but not like can also play on the perimeter on offense, right? Because you've seen the formula and it works. 
and you're getting Garland back now. Right. I'd be curious to see. It's going to be real interesting to see what happens with Cleveland. Very I know so. I said we weren't going to talk about them much, but I'm I'm really, really curious. I'm going to keep my eye on them because yeah, yeah. they went on yeah. a massive run with no Garland and no Mobley. Like they went like 17 or 13, 15 and three, I think. 15 and four. I think it's 15 and four. They were 13 and 12 when those guys went out and they're 28 and 16 now. So 15 and four. With no, There's, no Garland. Where my coral no haters at? Where my coral haters at? I mean, a coral is a big salary. No, where are my sweet. haters at? Where are the haters at with him? Is he? I just don't I mean, hear him hey. very much. I just don't hear it anymore. I mean, probably because no one's actually watching Cleveland anymore. <laughs> good right now, people's not paying he's attention good to right Cleveland. Now. He's good right now. Four of his last eight games, he's been over 10 points. This is a player that everyone can't think of as offensive firepower, and he's given them, I mean, the Cavs are trying to give you a PR case every week for him to be an all-defensive player. I mean, they're, they're, they are, look, the, the Cavs, the Cavs are absolutely red hot. They're red hot. I would, I do have an idea for them. Okay, let me hear trade. it. Um, because I'm tired of them getting bullied. I'm tired of it. Like, I'm really tired of it. Like, we can't figure out a way to get, like, an Andre Drummond on this team. Ooh. Well, wait. Andre Drummond already played for the Cavs. <laughs> but, like, I need, like, a... Well, yeah, I just need a backup big. I just yeah. need, like, an enforcing type of big. Well, you're enforcing down to feel more like my maybe maybe you'll disagree with me on this. That's fine. Niang and Dean Wade feel like the same player in the playoffs. Probably. So, like, if those two are two of the guys that you can correct me if I'm wrong, if those two are two of the guys that I think of in terms of being a bench option, why am I not trying to get something a little more different than that? Fair. That's a fair point. I think. Unless the argument is, unless the argument is that you're trying to stagger to where Mobley or Allen is in the game at all times, just like they're trying to do with the backcourt. But I don't trust bigger staff to do that. I don't just figure step to do that. I'll just figure step to do that at meaningful games. So that's the problem with that strategic plan. By the way, I just want to say um, last win for the Cavs was against a nearly full strength Clippers team. Only player missing was uh, Zubach. So I feel like that's pretty no- notable, Caleb. Um, we We were pretty Eastern Conference focused. I know you said Rockets. Just real quick, any Western Conference teams you feel like could use a big upgrade? Western Conference. Western Conference. I... There's one team that comes to mind in the sense of I just... I don't want... If it has to be a center, it has to be a center. Although I don't agree with that premise. I want to see the Oklahoma City Thunder trade for a veteran. Okay. A veteran. 
Maybe there it doesn't have to be a center. It doesn't have to be. I just want a vet. Like I'm you cannot convince me to be comfortable with this Oklahoma City team as young as they are in these meaningful games with the lack of experience that they have. Give me something. Give me give me one veteran that I can just play. I'm not talking like I don't need a starter. I'm just saying like maybe like your seventh, eighth man, like let's just upgrade it a bit. Let's get rid of all these guys that keep stacking up against each other, basically hurting each other. And let's trade them to a team where they can benefit by playing time while you get a veteran who could just fit in and help you know what it looks like. I'm worried that the Thunder are going to miss some veteran help. And I, I understand that that is people are going to look at me and they're going to say, oh, it's blasphemous. You know, they're, they're the one, they're the one seed. They're the Sioux seed. That's blasphemous. Alex, that's blasphemous. But look, I, I think the Thunder needs something. They need some guy. They need some leadership, you know, in some of these bigger games. So I, I think that's true. I would go after a veteran front court player personally. Um, maybe it doesn't have to be. That doesn't have to be a center. You can maybe keep playing Chet at the five, but um, I feel like Chet's outside magic is starting to go away. Do you do you want to know what he's shooting from three? His last fourteen games. I would have to imagine it's not very good. It is twenty nine point one percent. Yeah, yeah, I don't. And I didn't buy it. I I, just, I don't think it's it's sustainable. You can't rely on it, and he's not going to do what you're going to want him to do as a five. If you're the thunder, if you're going to play him at the five, you're going to want him to pull guys out because you're going to want to respect the shot. So at that point, if he can't really do that, it doesn't hurt to get a traditional five could take on some of the bruises. Well, if you, so he had a four for five game against the wizards. If you make it his last 12 games, He's 26% from three. 59.3% from the free throw line. I think he's played all the games, which I applaud. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. That's never a good idea in your rookie year, especially like coming off an injury like this. You should always like, I, I understand, you know, oh, rest is never, I understand like there's a pushback against rest. Sitting 10 games isn't the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Right. Especially like the last season Chet played, he played what? 35 games? Mm. He's already played let's let's say 35. He's already played 10 more than that. At some point you're gonna get fatigued, especially because the games are longer and the games are faster and the games are just generally more physical at the NBA level. I think he probably needs, again, a lot of that is him having to play the five consistently. Yeah. This, this might be a good, like, P.J. Tucker team, you know? Yeah. It's like, hey, P.J., yeah. you actually want to play? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Give us five. Go ahead. You Give just, us minutes. You do five. what? Exactly. Yep. This might be a good, you know. Wow, that's a cool fit. I, I, I like that fit. That's a cool I think fit. What, Chet 
allows wow. you to do is you can be funky with who you play next to him. Cool fit. And because yeah, like he has the shooting ability. Yeah. But you have to have like someone who's strong next to him. I like that a lot. Yeah. And yeah, Jalen Williams, bless his heart, you know, Lou Dort's a perimeter player. Just it. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Lou Dort's strong. Sure. Like, sure. But I, I want him on the perimeter. I want I him guarding perimeter players. I don't want him guarding front court players. I don't either. I don't want Jalen Williams guarding front court players. I want him I guarding either. perimeter players. And so who on this wow. roster do you trust to guard a front court player? Wow. I don't I don't really have anybody. So I don't either. I don't either. I that's a great um OKC, great choice by you. I I want to see what Houston does. Cause I think they're they could be a guy away. But I'm worried that the guy they trade to get that guy will be Jalen Green. I am too. I am too. And I am too. I am too. I feel like he's started like he's figured it out. Whatever it is. I watched that Lakers week. game. I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched like two and a half quarters, basically. But the way he was hitting the glass, the way he was driving, he's figuring it out, man. Yeah. And it's hard for him on this team. He's basically what you asked him to do his first two years. Isn't what you're asking him to do this year. Exactly. But why are you punishing him for being asked to do such a drastically different thing? Exactly. He's, he's adapting. Exactly. He's got, he's clearly got basketball IQ. He's clearly got basketball. You know, he's one of the most explosive athletes in the league. Right. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I'll say this. If they trade for a star, they cannot trade Jabari Smith. They cannot trade him. Can't do it. Because that man is such a good floor spacer already. I mean, shocker. That's kind of his appeal coming out of college, but right. Not who I'd want to maybe necessarily draft with the third pick, but I think he's gonna probably live up to what the hype was with him. Which is good, I guess. But yeah, I wouldn't trade him. I wouldn't trade Shengun. They'll they'll have some interesting decisions. Oh, Caleb. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Um, what do we got coming up on Linsanity this week? I know there was um, NFL. There was some. There was some interesting football games this weekend. Yeah, got some conference championships. College basketballs around the corner. I mean, we're we're uh, we're plugging away. No doubt about it. Uh, plenty of contents on the way. And as for the Power Hour, um, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to find a new angle, folks. But I'll I should be back soon, um, and it'll be fun. We'll have a lot of fun here. Um, make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. I don't know what the next thing for that is, but um, whatever it is, you better listen to it, or you and I won't be friends anymore. Despite you <laughs> listening to the, taking your time to listen to this podcast. So, Caleb, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Sure, absolutely, and. Um, I think I think we did enough gambling on this to justify it being a BSF, don't you? No, it was good. Good conversation. Good, good adjustment. It works. <laughs> that's that's good for me. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you all so much for listening. 